All right, John chapter 5, if you were not with us last week, we talked, to, t- talked through the previous verses and Jesus began to answer his critics, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, the teachers of the day for the Jewish religion, and he, answered, he was answering them and explaining to them that where his authority comes from, the fact that, that he and the Father are one. And he continues on to answer them. There's a little bit of a break here, and that's why we're going to pick up here in verse 30. And we're going to work through this verse by verse to try to figure out what exactly is Jesus saying about himself. And he's going to get into this whole theme in this section of witnesses. Who are witnesses to Jesus? And that he is the Son of God. So let's work through, starting in verse 30. Follow along with me. If you don't have a uh, Bible, there should be some Bibles in the pews. The verses should be up on the screen as well, but please follow along and let's try to figure out what Jesus is saying and what difference does it make for our lives. Verse 30, Jesus continued on and he said, I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We talked about this a little bit last week when I was talking about Jesus and how he's the Son of Man and He's come and the Father has given all judgment to the Son. So again, the reminder here is, and in the end, every human being, every one of you in here, all of us, we will stand before Jesus. All judgment has been given to Him. You either stand as one who on this earth decided to bow your knee and say, you are King of kings, Lord of lords, and I want to follow you. Or, on this earth you have not done that, and in that time you will stand before Him and you will still bow a knee because He is sovereign over all things. And you will realize that He is the judge. And He was right. And you'll, He'll say to you, depart from Me, for I never knew you. Now the reason, verse 30 here, that He's saying... He hears as he judges. What he's saying is he's not going to just make up his own judgment, just like he's not going to do whatever he just comes to his mind that's different than the Father because there's no difference with them. Their minds are connected. They are one. And so their judgment, Jesus' judgment, is going to be the same as what the Father would judge. So it's not his own judgment that's happening here because he seeks the will of the Father. Verse 31, Jesus goes on to say, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now think about this for a second. This is the idea, if you think in a courtroom scenario, somebody comes in and they make an accusation. Okay, we have George here. Go into a courtroom and I go before the judge and I say, listen, judge, George stole from me. Stole $100,000 from me. Okay? I don't know why Lena's laughing. That's not funny. All right, George stole $10 from me. And I'm telling you that happened. And George goes before the judge and he says... No, I didn't. You have one person's word against another. No, let's say there's no evidence, nothing like that. One person's word against another. For me to go in there and expect that it's going to go my way when there's no other evidence, just my word against George's, that's not realistic. Because again, sometimes what could happen if that's the case? Somebody could be lying. That's why it's established in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, that if there's going to be anything like that, if there's going to be any type of witness scenario, there needs to be at least two or three to make a judgment. Not just one person. So Jesus is actually saying here, verse 31, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. If Jesus himself just says, if I just go around and tell you that I'm the Son of God, doesn't make a difference by himself. That doesn't make a difference that he says that. Because again, based upon what's in the Old Testament already, there's no other witnesses if he's doing that himself and there's nobody else testifying. 
But, because again, remember, that's what the Pharisees are coming. Why are you doing these things? Why are you saying these things? And he's going to answer them. He's going to say, I'm not just doing it because I'm saying I'm the Son of God. Let me show you some of these witnesses. And that's what he's going to unpack for us. Verse 32. He says, there is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Right now, Jesus is not talking about a human. He's talking about his father again. He's talking about God the Father. And he's saying, there's another one who bears witness about me, and I know that his testimony is true. Then he switches a little bit in verse 33. He says, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. So in in 32, he's talking about his father, and he's also going to bring up John here, which we talked about early. Again, for those of you who don't join us normally, we've been working through the book of John. We're talking about John the Baptist, where he had come, and he was setting the way for Jesus. He was making the way, preparing the way for Jesus, and he would come. And the Pharisees even sent messengers to him to find out, who are you and what are you doing? And he said, I'm really not that important, to be honest with you. I'm just somebody that's pointing to the one who is important, which is Jesus. So when he says in 33, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, he's explaining that there's another There's one that you're not aware of who testifies about me. There's also John who testifies about me. And we learned earlier that, again, John's ministry was, again, for the lost, the sheep of Israel to come to faith and believe in the Messiah. That's part of why John was there and paving the way. Verse 34, Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. So he's not trying to say, oh, John's my big witness. He doesn't need John as a witness. He has his father. But what he is saying is John's ministry was existed so that you guys would be saved. So I'm saying, I'm bringing up John to you as well so that you would listen to John and you would be saved. He goes on 35. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. They were actually excited about John's ministry at first. He was thought as a good prophet and a good teacher by many. But the moment that he started to get closer and closer to that message of who Jesus is, that's when the religious leaders said, "Mm, we're not excited any longer about what what you're saying. So they were willing to rejoice for a while in that light because he was this burning and shining lamp. Remember that Jesus is the light himself. John wasn't the light, which he bore witness to. But he's a shining lamp. It's like Jesus is the light and he's the lamp that was shining that light. The same thing that we're to be doing. Verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Now he switches back to explain the one who bears witness about him that they don't understand. He's saying all these works that you've seen me do, the various healings, the various miracles, those works actually are the testimony of God the Father about me that I am His Son. So now you have the Son saying you have the Father who bears witness and John bears witness, and we're going to find out another witness to who Jesus is. Verse 37, and the Father who sent me has 
himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. Verse 38, And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. He's saying to, get this for a second, he's saying to the religious teachers, the experts in the Old Testament, you don't have the word of God abiding in you. You don't understand. The word is the third witness here. We have God the Father, who's the witness of who Jesus is. We have John, who came as a witness to say who Jesus is. And we actually have the word of God, which is a witness to who Jesus is. I'm trying to build a case for some of you this morning. Some of you who perhaps do not believe that there are, you're in the same place as these, as these Pharisees and you need to listen to these witnesses. Verse 39, we're going to camp here for a moment. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Again, he's speaking to the religious leaders, the experts in the law. They would study the Old Testament, and what's he saying here? He's saying to them, you think that in the Scriptures themselves you have eternal life. What he's ultimately saying here is, you think that if you study your Bibles really well, and you learn all the laws and all the things you're allowed to do and the things you're not allowed to do, you think that by obeying the Scriptures, by obeying the law, that's what's going to save you. You think your own righteousness is going to save you. But that's not the case. That's not the point of the Scriptures. The point of the Scriptures are to point to the one who can save you. That's what Jesus is teaching them. They're going to the Word itself, which again, is the Word a good thing? Word of God, good thing? Yes or no? Yes. It's His breath. It's His Word. But the point of the Word is to show us Christ who shows us who God is. It's Christ who saves us. Now, how do we learn about Christ? Certainly, it's from the Word. So question for some of you this morning is what are you doing when you get into the Scriptures? Now again, what's the word there? They're searching the Scriptures. Does that mean they're just kind of every once in a while reading it? Driving down the road, they turn on the Joy FM for 15 minutes, they hear a Bible verse, oh, quiet time's done today, all right. No, they're searching the Scriptures. Had a situation yesterday at our house we had some family over. We had a good time. We're setting up the, the food and everything, and someone in, our, in the family, amazing woman, my mother-in-law, <laughs> she goes to get the dressing out of the refrigerator, and she opens the refrigerator door, says, is the dressing in here? And another amazing woman, my wife, says, yeah, it's in the door. And she grabs one, grabs two, there's supposed to be one more. I don't see it in here. Maybe you guys ran out. I don't see it. And I look at Heather and I see her face. She knows it's in there. Now, how many of you have had this situation with a refrigerator in your home? Okay, yeah. You've had this situation where somebody, you tell somebody to get something out of the refrigerator, they go, it's not in here. And you know you put it in there. In fact, you, you could picture it. You know where it's at, what shelf it's on. It's right there. Just look. I am looking. I'm in front of the refrigerator. This, this never happens at our house with Heather and I at all. Or our kids.
Let's take this theme for a second with the refrigerator. If the refrigerator is the word, and we're trying to get eternal life, ultimately that means we're trying to understand Jesus, find him, and get eternal life. Here's some things that happen sometimes in these refrigerator situations. There are times, I'm going to speak of me and not you guys, there are times that I don't even get up to look in the refrigerator because I'm certain we don't have what I'm looking for in there. I don't even wait, take the time to get up. That won't even look. And there are times that I'll say, you know what I just wish we had? Some chocolate syrup. And I'm just assuming it's not in there. And one of the greatest moments, I don't know if you've had this, is when the person goes, who knows? Yeah, there's some in there. Yes, all right. Go over, get my chocolate syrup. But there are times that I won't even look because I assume it's not in there. Could that be you? You won't even look in the Word of God because you're assuming what's, it, what's in there is not. Or you're assuming that something you're looking for is not in there. Scripture says that it is the place where eternal life is found because it shows us Christ. Another is you may be looking in the wrong place for whatever it is, for eternal life in particular. Some of you are not looking to the Scriptures. Some of you are looking to other religions, politics, ideologies, something else you're looking to to find salvation, to find meaning in life. You're looking in the wrong place. That would be like me going to the cupboard and looking for the milk in there. It's the wrong place, or at least it should be. Or maybe in your trunk. Like Ashton and Julie had that the milk was in the trunk for 10 days. They found the milk eventually. They kept looking in the fridge. It's where it should have been. You might be looking in the wrong place for salvation and for meaning. You need to look. If you're truly looking for the milk, go to the refrigerator. If you're looking for salvation, go to the scriptures. You may be looking for the wrong thing in the right place. You may be in the scriptures all the time trying to find something that's not in there. For example, that could be, I want a life with no more problems. (laughs) That's not the life that scripture tells you about. You can find Christ and he can give you salvation. He can give you peace through all your troubles. But if you want a life without storms, that's not the place to go. Just so you know, there's really no place to go without that. But... An example of that, when Heather and I first got married, I was convinced that peanut butter goes in the refrigerator. Any other true Christians out there that know that peanut butter goes in the refrigerator? I cannot believe I'm the only one. Okay, good. Miss Mary, good. Yes. Roy, thank you. Okay, just had to get that in there. But listen, what I learned (laughs) from my wife is we don't put peanut butter in the refrigerator. We do not put it in the refrigerator. It goes in the cupboard. So when I would, when we first got married, go to the refrigerator, I'd be looking for peanut butter. Guess what? I'd say, hey, the peanut butter's not in here. In that scenario, she'd go, you're right. It's where it's supposed to be. Oh, that's right. If you're looking for something different than Jesus, than true salvation, Don't look in the Scriptures, because if you look in the Scriptures, that's who you're going to find. Last one, you might be looking for the right thing 
in the right place and you still can't see it. And that's what was happening yesterday. The salad dressing was in the refrigerator. It was in the right place. And she was searching and she couldn't find it. In that scenario, Heather needed to go over and help explain what it looked like. Do you know why she couldn't find it? It was in there. The bottle looked different. It was some fancy kind. It was a glass bottle. It looked like it could have been a different spice or something. I don't know. But it looked different than the other two. Many of you are looking for the right thing in the right place, but there's things going on that's not allowing you to see it. I think this can be distractions. Other things in life that you're focused on when you're trying to look even. If I'm in a conversation with Heather and I'm looking for something in the refrigerator at the same time, I don't know how long that door stays open on that refrigerator because I'm focused on the conversation and not what I'm looking for. It may be that you're not really sure what you're supposed to be looking for. You're you're looking for Jesus. I want Jesus. I'm in the right spot. I just don't really know what it looks like. What does the bottle look like? You might need some help with that. That's why we're here. We're a church family to help one another understand what Jesus looks like. There could be sin in your life that's not allowing you to see the glory of Jesus in his word. I don't know what may be blocking you, but I would encourage you that if you feel that block, you keep going to his word, but you're not finding him. You don't find any joy. You don't find any peace. You don't find any meaning in it. Even when you read the Bible, it feels like it's nothing. Maybe that you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. He's the one that helps us understand. He explains what the bottle looks like. I'd encourage you to pray and ask God to teach you that. In 39 again, he says, You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That phrase there, have life, it certainly does mean salvation. But you know what's interesting? In John 10... Jesus is talking about the thief, and he says, the thief comes to destroy. Jesus says, I come that you may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundantly. There may be quite a few of you in here who, you are followers of Jesus, you have eternal life, but truly, as you look at your lives, you're like, it doesn't feel very abundant. It doesn't feel like it's overflowing. Once again, That's part of the reason Jesus came, so you have to go to him. How do we go to him? It's through his word, it's through prayer, and we do it together. I'm going to have a time of invitation now. And ultimately, this is the time for you. If you have never found life, true eternal life, our prayer for you today is that you would cry out to Jesus. Because again, if you're going to try to justify yourself like the Pharisees, By your works, by your righteousness, you will fail every time. You may not realize this if you are coming here today, but I'm going to tell you that on your own, all your works are just filthy rags. They do nothing. Your righteousness is not very righteous. But the amazing thing about Jesus, the amazing thing about our faith, and the reason that we worship him, praise him, and thank him is that he actually gives us his righteousness. He gives it to us as a gift. He takes away our sin on the cross, dies for it as a sacrifice. He's buried and after three days he rises and he 
justifies us before God and he gives us his righteousness and he takes away our sin. You can have that today if you've never had that. During our time of invitation, come forward. Pray there. I don't care. God doesn't care. Pray. Cry out to him. If you are a follower of Jesus already, ask the question, why am I finding what I'm looking for in the refrigerator? And if I'm not, what's causing that? Am I looking in the wrong place? Am I looking for the wrong thing? Or am I looking for the right thing in the right place, but i got other things that are just distracting me? Ask God to show you that today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we do thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We ask now, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would work in a mighty way inside of our hearts. I pray right now for the salvation of those who are here. Lord, if there's anyone who doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we do not know what happens when we leave this place. It's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. Lord, I pray that nobody would face that judgment apart from your righteousness. We are thankful that you and the Father, Jesus, are one in the Spirit and you work together for our good, for your glory, that you're working today. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in here. I pray you'd help us to focus on you and truly have an abundant life that's overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit, with joy, with peace, even though things around us are hard. Lord, as we, we gave our prayer requests, requests and praises, there were a lot of prayer requests. There's a lot of pain. We're not asking you necessarily, Lord, to take us out of the pain, although if that's your will, we'll say yes. But we're asking you to help us get through it by your grace and your mercy. Please help us to see how great you are in all the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.